You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Tonight I want to ask you what you're building on. Um, but first, has anybody heard of The Way of Jesus? Uh, it's, a, it's a website. Uh, that Circle of Hope created with input from pastors and congregations um, uh, over the years that organizes the content uh, about the journey of faith, the journey through faith. Um, one of the ways that uh, is, this journey is talked about on this website is in seasons. So for example, we're in summer right now, and that's the website by the way, you probably knew that, uh, but it's a good one with a lot of, uh, a lot of different things. So we're, we're in a season right now called summer. And something that happens in summer is, uh, is tending to the things that we planted in spring um, and, uh, and not really planting a whole lot of new things, but just looking at what's been growing. Um, so as we reflect back on what we've been building over the year, now that summer is coming to a close, I want you to think about uh, what you've been building on more than actually what's been being built. You don't have to read all these things, but just look at the big, the big words. Um, your beliefs and your behavior, and then the subsequent consequences. Your beliefs and behavior, and the consequences are all based, at kind of building off of your experiences. What happens to you? But you can actually change. You can influence uh, your own beliefs, and then subsequently change the behaviors, which will then have an impact on the results on your actions. Right? Just I'm just following the pyramid up. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm just following the pyramid up. Uh, my point is that through critical thinking and corresponding actions, uh, you can change what you believe about anything, really, especially God, the world, and, and yourself. So what are you building on? Would somebody please read uh, the scripture from Luke 6, 46 to 49? you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I command. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, listens to my words, and acts on That one is like a person building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on a rock. So the flood came and burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who listens and does not act is like a person who built a house on the ground without the foundation. When the river burst against it, Yes, what are you building on? Here's maybe some examples of what Jesus was talking about. An apartment building. Yeah, everything is pretty much destroyed. This this is an optimal example, the ideal. The storms have come in our lives now, and they have come, and, and they'll continue to come. <clears throat> Some leaving you to pick up the pieces of your house of faith. And maybe you've been a part of or, what's, or heard of what's going on in the Christian church around the United States. This is one of the things that's going on. People are leaving, if you can't see those headlines. I realized 
just how unique this age is when I heard about a Princeton history professor who wrote a book called One Nation Under God, how corporate America, how corporate America, it'll probably continue, that's okay. Someone's building something downstairs. I hope they're building on a good foundation. <laughs> I just I realized how unique this age is when I heard about a Princeton history professor who wrote a book called One Nation Under God, how corporate America invented Christian America. And this storm that we've been in, it started to make sense. So I ask again, what, what are you building on? So please indulge me for the next couple minutes as I explain. Take us back a few years. As the U.S. was coming out of the Great Depression, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, gets credit for enacting the New Deal, which was pieces of legislation that were basically the beginning of a lot of social programs we still have today. Social Security, the fair, fair labor regulations, and, uh, um, and union, unionizing sections of the workforce. As you can imagine, more regulations, corporate America did not like these new, uh, these new rules. After some failed public relations campaigns against the New Deal, these corporations needed to try something different to gain the trust of the public again. This, and this blew my mind. So they tapped into gifted ministers, pastors among us, to spread the message for them. I'll read this. The bold is important. Here is an excerpt from an article written for the New York Times by the same author of this book. Every Christian should oppose the totalitarian trends of the New Deal asserted James W. Fifield, an eloquent Congregationalist pastor from Los Angeles. During the 1930s, he created the Spiritual Mobilization, a publicity offensive that joined megachurches like his with vocal anti-liberal magnates like Hollywood producer Cecil B. DeMille and J. Howard Pugh Jr., the president of Sun Oil. They all believed religiosity, if widely, if widely and officially developed, uh, deployed, would be a mighty weapon against, uh, in the battle against collectivist liberals at home and communists abroad. As their ally, Billy Graham preached in 1951 at one of his ever popular crusades, Americans urgently need to rededicate themselves to the rugged individualism that Christ brought to the world. That's their message. Summed up, I'll read it again. Americans urgently needed to rededicate themselves to the rugged individualism that Christ brought to the world. These are the revivals that are touted as, as, uh, as what gave Christianity in America its, its great name. So corporate America used these ministers to make the case that Christianity and capitalism were soulmates. This case had been made before, but in the context of the New Deal, it takes on a sharp, new political meaning. Essentially, they argue that Christianity and capitalism are both systems in which individuals rise and fall according to their own merits. So in Christianity, if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. In capitalism, if you're good, you make a profit and succeed, and if you're bad, you fail. Guys, this, this is the reason that I left the church after I graduated high school. Before going to college, you know, I don't know what prompted this, but I just realized all the time I've been going to church, Jesus become, had become a golden ticket to heaven for me. And I guess I was left waiting to go there. Maybe I had been saved too soon. I found Christianity to be shallow, 
and frankly a waste of time. And maybe some of you can relate. In fact, I've talked to several of you. I know that this is some of your experiences too. But fortunately for us, this, there is good news. Because we're not following the God who is imprinted on our money and our government buildings when we follow Jesus. We do not follow the American God of capitalism and colonizing enterprise. We follow, follow Jesus. Jesus, the first century Middle Eastern man who lived bringing the Jewish God's uh, nonviolent kingdom to earth, who was killed for resisting the status quo, who rose again because you can't stop God. We're, we're not going to blindly trust whatever demigod comes into office next. But instead, we're going to scrutinize every word against the words of Jesus. We're not going to fear the one who has the, who has the power to kill the body but not the soul, and they try. But we fear God who has the power to give life to both. And finally, we're not going to be tricked into believing the big corporations love us with some benevolent love. They don't. We've seen that enough times with, with all the deception in the news, especially with data mining. They worship the gods I was just talking about. As for us, we won't worship both God and wealth. And actually, we can't. But there is one God who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And that is why I have continued to be faithful to you. We have seen something utterly other and infinitely more beautiful in Jesus than anything we can even imagine. And that is good news. It is such good news that we have another option in which to place our trust. In context of the storms that this country is in and that we've been in for some time, it, it's revolutionary. This time is, this age, it's a revolutionary time. So much is happening. It's revolutionary because we're coming to a place in our country where people are questioning their faith, praise God. People are looking at religion and Christianity especially and saying, I'm out, I don't buy it anymore. Some people are looking at Jesus with fresh eyes and seeing a different God than their Sunday school teacher taught them about. And that is good news. And so in, in this age that we find ourselves in, what, what has this, this capitalist theology that, that has really been the bedrock of, of our Christianity in America, what has it robbed us of? I think several things. I think first, a common life together. We were taught that all that was needed was a personal ABC prayer, that I accept Jesus into my heart, I believe he's the son of God, and, and I commit my life to him, whatever that means. And then we had everything we needed, which really was just heaven. But we also need each other. Paul famously wrote in 1 Corinthians, he said, if, if the whole body were an ear, then how would it see? It's so simple. You know, we need each other. We can't all just be the same. There's more to life than, than, uh, than the, monolithic, uh, uh, the monolithic way of reaching the top and staying there or something. Even social science, like Renee Brown's research, tells us that, uh, and she's the author of, of Daring Greatly and some TED Talks that have went viral. <clears throat> they tell us that life has deep, that the life that has deep and vulnerable or mutual relationships is the healthiest by several measures. We need each other. Now, be thinking, because there's, there's some time at, at, 
after I'm done talking. I'll be thinking now about like cells, the, the uh, baby goods exchange that happened yesterday morning, and more ways that we resist this rugged individualism together. There will be a time after I'm finished talking. Uh, maybe some of you can share how we're already doing this. Second, I think, that is taken from us is, is civil disobedience to transform oppressive power. Billy Graham was actually quoted criticizing Martin Luther King, saying that, quote, even if the law is unjust, it is our Christian duty to obey it. Sounds kind of familiar. But even Jesus healed on the Sabbath. God is at work in the world. And I think you really want to believe that. I do. I want to believe it. But, but look at what Jesus says in John 16. I'll listen when I read it for you. But now I am going to the one who sent me. And now one of you is asking, where are you going? Instead, your hearts are filled with sadness because I have said these things to you. And isn't that kind of how we feel? Pause for a second. Isn't that kind of how we feel? Just sad when we look around, when we hear this gospel of say a prayer, you'll go to heaven one day, you'll see Jesus one day. He actually isn't here though. Sad. Sad. But he continues. He says, but I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. The, the spirit, he will glorify me because he will receive from me what is mine and will tell it to you. And just a couple chapters earlier, Jesus said, I tell you the solemn truth. The person who believes in me will perform miraculous deeds that I'm doing and will perform greater deeds than these because I'm going to the Father. The idea that Jesus has left us is a total lie. That he's, he's not. He has not left us. He's, he's gone, but his spirit is here, which, which Jesus is saying is actually better for us. And it, it, it's so sad to think that if only we lived, or it's so sad to think that uh, that Jesus' life was so good for the 33 years. Why did he have to die so young? He was doing so many great things. Why did that end? It got cut off, cut, sh cut short. I wish he was around now doing some things, you know? But he's here. And who is he with? The Spirit is with the church. It's with the, it's with the people who are partnering with him. God is with us. And God is with us to be with us. Did you catch it in, the, in, in what he was saying? To lead us to truth and to justice. He will prove the world wrong concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Justice. Third, I think we've been robbed of the experience of being saved. When, when my faith, when our faith is simply intellectual or a one-time emotional experience, I don't need the great spirit to keep saving me. But my wife will tell you I need this every day. You get this, right? It, it, it's perpetuated by the constant reaffirming that our life together is all about Sunday. As if we don't have 166 hours outside this meeting. Yes, I did that math. <laughs> Giving that this is two hours, it won't be that long. Our lives, our lives are lived moment to moment. And we need each other, just like we need God's own spirit to participate in creation's new life. A fan favorite around here, Julian of Norwich, once said, 
Our Savior is our true mother, out of whom we are endlessly born, and out of whom we shall never come. Let me read that again. She said, Our Savior is our true mother, out of whom we are endlessly born, and out of whom we shall never come. God is with us all the time. And we, and, we, and we need to reflect that to each other. We need to be with each other more than just this night. I'm sure many of you can speak to this point, too. I heard Joel say some good things this morning. He ran out. But he did say some good things this morning at our uh, Sunday meeting, design teams meeting, regarding this type of mutuality of, of doing life together beyond just the Sunday meeting. And finally, there he is. Finally, I think... I think that this theology robs us of <laughs> robs us of determining how did I word this earlier? Uh, assigning moral value to experiences. It forces us to do that. When we have a theology that is basically capitalist, we have to determine whether things are good or bad. In a world where defining good and evil means life and death, we are constantly being tempted to say something is good or bad, lest God or man won't accept us if we choose wrong. But that isn't our job. We follow Jesus, and we let the light of, of God expose the darkness in the world, and follow Jesus into his justice-bringing work, which is more than the salvation of our souls. Certainly not less. On the first pages of the Bible, the introduction of sin is shown to be humanity's desire to have the knowledge of good and evil. This is a God-sized responsibility, and that does not have to mean we don't act on what we see Jesus calling not good. There are not good things in the world. That's true. And we can act on those. But we follow Jesus to see where those things are. And we follow Jesus' lead to, to act on it and bring justice to it. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.